gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Fundamental Podcast. I'm your host, Paul J. Long, and I've been trying to get this week's guest on the podcast for over a year. Now, part of that is my fault. Uh, it's all my fault. Who am I kidding? But nevertheless, guys, you are in for a treat. Before I introduce him, this podcast is sponsored by, as always... Charlie Hustle. But we may have a new sponsor after this one. Uh, CharlieHustle.com to learn more. Uh, 1Kforkc.org is an amazing thing that they're doing right now to help raise funding for families financially impacted through COVID-19. Go to 1Kforkc.org to learn more about what Charlie Hustle is doing to help others. Speaking of helping others, I know that our next guest, uh, is somebody driven significantly by helping others, so much so that he wanted to help me today uh, in bringing a smile or a laugh. Ladies and gentlemen, President and CEO of Fairway Meat and Grocery, Mr. Reynolds Kramer. <laughs> Look at this guy. <laughs> Guys, if you can't see him, first of all, that means that you're not on YouTube, so you need to go check out our YouTube channel. My guy is dressed up in, uh, is that, it almost looks like a side ponytail. It's a delicious it's, wig. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got that. You know, it took me a while to put that together. What? Hey, what tune were you playing on that uh, air guitar? <laughs> I don't even know what you're talking about. Huh? <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's good, brother. It's always a pleasure seeing you. You know, you have probably, of all the guests that we've ever had, uh, 110 plus you probably have more responsibility and potentially pressure on your shoulders than any guests we've ever had. So that begs the question, how do you release? What do you do for fun, brother? I tell you what, you got to do just like I did starting out here today. You can't just be in the, you know, we're going to do this every single hour of my life and just act the same old way. You got to get crazy sometimes. Uh, there, and, there, and how you do that, obviously everybody can do it different. I've told you the story all the time. I mean, if it's me, if it's me going down the highway you know, weeks. And, and I'm, I'm listening to some crazy tunes and I got the wind in my hair because, you know, I don't have any hair. Uh, that's how I do it. Uh, I mean, I, I had a meeting the other day with our store managers and I said, uh, who walked in here like me? Listen to five finger death punch. I mean, right. And people are looking at me like, how does he even know who that is? Uh, right. <laughs> I mean, life's too short. Oh, Reynolds, you know, I don't know if you've ever laughed so hard that you get those bumps behind your ears that like physically hurt. You have, you've started us off on the right foot, my friend. Uh, you know, we crossed paths uh, last year, actually two years ago, two when years ago. I was lucky enough and feel blessed to have come in and, and spoken to half your team. Uh, I don't recall which, so we had to postpone one because of a snowstorm. So it was at the meat market managers that I got the opportunity well, yeah, and it started out actually prior to that. You spoke to Iowa grocery industry. That's right. That's how we met. Yes. And, and then from there, I said, uh, I got to have more of this. I got to have more of this fun. So uh, we had you come in to uh, Boone, Iowa, and we had our managers come in, and it was a two-day session. And, of course, it's it's in the middle of winter, so the first day went off awesome. The second day, blizzard canceled everything. Yes. And uh, and yet people have ever, ever since that day talked about just uh, – how amazing you were. And, and what you did was you got people to walk out of a room and for the first time in a while, think about a different way, not only to have fun, but just different way to think about life. Yeah. Right. And right. Right now, right. We got to wear these masks all the time and That's we're doing right. everything we do to be safe, which is the right thing to do. 
but it's getting in our head, right? It's getting us a little crazy. Man, I, uh, this podcast is about you, my friend, and here you are just showering me with praise. So I greatly appreciate that because um, our first interaction, it's funny that you brought up that Iowa Grocers Association because I failed to remember that's where we met. Uh, I know we've talked about it before, but in this moment I did. And that was one of my first speaking engagements. Um, I was very new uh, and uh, very green, as I'm sure you're well aware, because you've seen my progression, uh, both as a human being and hopefully as a speaker. But that was a really interesting gig and in that, um, obviously, Heart of Iowa, one of my first gigs. And I will say that everybody was kind of uh, reserved. And it took a little bit to understand who, who the heck is this guy and what's going on? But you, my friend, you and I were paired up together. And right. I asked you what you did for fun. And that's when you introduced the concept of putting on my wig and going out, driving my convertible and having a good time. And uh, full circle, you invited me to speak with your fairway uh, market managers and meat managers. And so I am eternally grateful, my friend. Well, and, and, and so how, how funny is life? And it just kind of cruises along. And, and here we were a week ago and I come down to Kansas City because we opened up our first meat market. And I had the pleasure of uh, carrying out a great tradition from Mike McGonigal. And now it's a fairway meat market mm. with McGonigal's catering. And then we had the rib cook-off classic that's never been done before. They, they've raised money for 17 years for, for kids to adopt kids at Adopt Connect. But it was the first time they did this rib challenge. Of course, I love ribs and I'm not going to miss a free meal. So I'm down there and you're down there and we're having a blast. And I think it was a great event. Yes, it was a, a wonderful event. And I didn't know... So of course, you know, I just, I just got off another podcast um, with a director out in LA Reynolds and he, he has this really strong affection for Grand Rapids, Michigan. It's where he grew up. And so now that he's out in LA, of course, uh, Grand Rapids is, is, it's a completely different lifestyle as I'm sure you're well aware. And so <laughs> he just did a documentary in Grand Rapids and I asked him, what is his next project? Where it's going to be? He says, I don't know what it's going to be, but I'll tell you where it's going to be. It's going to be in Grand Rapids. And he just talked about his affection for the city. And I said, it's so interesting to hear you say that because the Fundamism podcast, as you guys are listening in, you understand that we have listeners all over the globe, uh, but it comes across as a very Kansas City-based podcast because my affection for Kansas City. And so the reason why I bring that up is because growing up, I used to live right down the street from McGonagall's Meat Market. And we used to we used to go in there and have a good time, and and uh, they had their meat counter, and so many memories growing up. I did not realize that that was the store or the location that you, as Fairway, purchased until you invited me to MC this event. So talk about full circle. The universe is crazy. Why did you Why did you decide to get into the Kansas City market? Well, when you hear about Kansas City from being an outsider, so if you're living in another state, you hear about Kansas City, you hear about Kansas City steaks, right? And, right. and smoking meat and all this stuff. And well, you know, we're, we're, we're going to brag a little bit, you know, fairway, fairway meat and grocery, right? We're the best. We're the best, not just in the Midwest, but in the nation. And so why wouldn't it make sense that somehow we'd find a synergy down in Kansas City? Well, as I, as I spent time, and I did spend a lot of time down there looking around, what I realized was we had an opportunity because there's nowhere else to go, unless it was McGonagall's, to have a fresh meat case that's cut fresh every day, nothing's packaged, nothing's gas, all that stuff. And so why not? And the reception's been amazing. 
It's been awesome. And uh, we actually signed another deal just uh, last week and we got a second one that's locked in. What? And so we're going to keep coming and keep growing. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of Iowa people that know fairway, you know, fairway has been around 82 plus years. Yes. So they moved to Kansas city. I'll be honest with you, Kansas city, what an amazing town. It would be an amazing town to live in. Um, the weather, the just so much going on. It's so fun. It'd be hard to root for my Vikings down there because every time they play those Chiefs, they lose. But um, but the reality is, is that it's just a great area. And so um, so, yeah, I I just had a chance to, to meet Mike McGonigal and uh, it was a great setting and we had great discussions. And and everybody's always talking about where, what are you doing the rest of your life? What's your plan? What's your strategy? And so, um, you know, at the end of the day. I, I think we work together and now it's fairway meat market. And it's McGonagall's catering. We got Randy Ross there that works there and a lot of people know him. And, and so it kind of feels like we're at home. It kind of feels like even though we opened up on March 2nd, which was right before the chaos of the world started. Um, it feels like we've been there a long time now. It feels like we're home. So it's great. Well, you fit in nicely. I, I got to tell you, I walked away from that uh, engagement with uh, several hundred dollars worth of meat. And uh, you, Reynolds Kramer, are my wife's new best friend. Uh, you gave me one of those tomahawk steaks with the oh, massive yeah. Flintstone bone. And uh, one thing I didn't share with you is above and beyond her gratefulness for the meat, she's, she loves steak. She absolutely loves it, but she's always been somewhat fearful of cooking it. Uh, because, you know, people are so particular. She likes it medium. I like it medium rare. And she feels like she could just never get it right. But having all this meat forced her to get uncomfortable, if you will. And so she wanted me to express her thanks for forcing her to learn how to cook steak in addition to uh, giving her so much amazing meat. So, hey, uh, so many things come to mind when I'm talking to you. Um, I started by saying that that you have a lot of responsibility, a lot of pressure. And of course, some of that pressure we put on our own shoulders. But when I see an individual like you, you talk about Fairway. Uh, obviously, it's a top 10 employer in Iowa. So, guys, Fairway is a huge deal. I mean, you operate in what? Is it six states or? Six states and soon to be seven. Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, and you haven't, have you announced the seventh? No. Okay, good. <laughs> so, this, so this is the first time you're even hearing anything about it. I know, as well as your second store opening. I just saw you <laughs> in Missouri. So um, over 120 locations. Right. In fact, uh, tomorrow will be another one. We open up in Byron, Minnesota, which is a suburb of Rochester. So I'm wow. headed there in the morning to open up that store. Nice. Uh, man, I just you're just constantly moving. You're constantly shaking. You're constantly grinding. I mean... Over a billion dollars, uh, you're, you're consistently working. How do you, you know, so many people are challenged, especially in uh, the corporate world, of, of presenting themselves to be something to gain or to garner the respect of others, right? I got, I got to be professional. I gotta, I gotta keep my eye on the prize. I gotta always consistently be uh, the best version of myself, or else people will think that I'm less than best. How do you manage? fun and authenticity, like you started uh, this session out with the expectations of being such a significant leader, not just in Fairway, but in the state of Iowa? It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's not easy. Believe me, it's not. I, I, think, I think the reality is that, uh, you know, we are all human beings, right? That's and so we all have our weaknesses. We all have our moments. We've all got these things. Um, 
how you balance that, how you balance work, life, faith, family, all those things. Um, it's, it's to me, it's juggling. Yes. I'm constantly juggling and I don't want to have one of the balls hit the ground. Right. Um, and so to do that, I, I got to stay focused, but it means I got to focus on everything. Right. And believe me, if I'm not focusing at home, I'll hear about it. If I'm not focusing at work, I'll hear about it. If I'm not focusing, you know, in my, in my inner self about my faith, I'll, I hear about it. Um, but it's not easy, but you gotta, you gotta figure out ways quite honestly to get out of the, okay, I get up. It's like, like right now, we, we've all seen the great movie Groundhog, right? It's a great Bill Murray movie. In a way, we as a country right now, it's Groundhog Day every day, right? It's, it's become crazy. You can't leave your house. You can't do this. You, you, you. So you got you to gotta figure out ways to just, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through like Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. So we, uh, Sheila and Benny and I, we take Chick-fil-A and we drive the car to some open area we've never been before. We lay out this blanket and we could have a picnic eating Chick-fil-A, right? It's like, we, who, you never used to do that before, um, but now you do those things. So you, you got to change up your routine. You got to figure out a way uh, to not go insane inside your head. Right? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you said that because basically what you just did is in a roundabout way, you define fundamentalism, right? The fundamentals of a fun and optimistic lifestyle. We could obviously be very focused and deliberate in thinking about all the stuff that's not working, whether it's the political landscape or uh, COVID-19 or the social divisiveness or whatever, whatever the online learning of our, of our children, whatever it may look like, it's easy to focus on all that stuff. Uh, but by inviting these things, by going out with Benny and Sheila and, and taking your Chick-fil-A and having a picnic for a brief moment, uh, those challenges and that drama is mitigated. So I love to see that that you are deliberate in bringing joy to your life. How do you manage stress? Like it, it, you're, when you're the most stressed out, like when you have anxiety or fear or whatever it may be, how do you cope with that? How do you manage it? Well, I think uh, most people would say, uh, maybe in my position, is you just you just tuck it all away inside your gut and you let it just eat yourself within. Exactly. <laughs> um, so it 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 would not be that weird for people to walk past my office and and I've got a window and stuff and they'd see me just laying on the floor completely in my suit, laying on the floor with my you know, my hands like this, my eyes closed, and I'm just laying there breathing a little bit. And then maybe I'm listening to some music just for five minutes, just to, well, I got to do this. Or maybe I go outside and just walk around the building three times. I mean, those are simple little things. Yes. Um, I, I love, you know, I put my lawnmower away the other day because we got a little bit of snow here yesterday and I mowed for the last time. And it's a sad moment to put the lawnmower away. When I'm mowing, and I've got my headphones on. It's a moment. And, and my wife, doesn't ex- she doesn't understand it, but it's a stress reliever to me for yeah. sure. I mean, yeah. so you got to find those things, right? Otherwise, you just, your head explodes. I admire the fact that in your position, you still mow your own grass. And the fact that it brings you strength <laughs> is the reason why, obviously. Well, <laughs> so why, why do I mow my own grass? In fact, why did the first three years of my, my new lawn 
that I hydro seeded and made sure it was perfect. Did I push mow for three years? Why? Because I, I want the best lawn. I want, I want right? Right, yes. right. Some people would say I'm crazy. My wife has said that many times about me in the lawn, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a feeling of, honestly, it's, for me, it's a feeling of fun yes. that I have a lawn that I could walk out barefoot at any time I want and roll around with my son or my dog or whatever and just have a blast. Oh, you know what's funny about what you just said is uh, my wife would say that I'm very um, maintenance challenged. Like it, I'm, not a, I'm not a great handyman. I'm not good with a screwdriver or a hammer or anything for that matter. Uh, so we hire a lot of stuff out. Even if, even when we didn't have money, I was hiring stuff out like an idiot. Uh, but nevertheless, what's interesting about what you just said is uh, I hate painting. Like you would think that painting, like like mowing for you, would call me out as 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 uh, expressive and as loud as my personality can be. You would think that getting in a room and painting and listening to some amazing music like you would be awesome, uh, but what happens is it's counterproductive for me because the music is great, but I am so particular and uh, like you in your grass, I want every nook and cranny to be covered. I want it to be so perfect. I'm not a professional painter, but I'll paint a room just because I know I'm going to do it better than the professional. And I think what it boils down to is pride in what, what we have, pride in what we do, right? Being focused on the task at hand and knowing that, if we put our mind to it, we could be pretty darn great at something, which is you to the T. Um, starting at 16, you started working at Fairway Stores. Is that an accurate? Right. Uh, 16, you know, carry out kid, uh, sacking groceries, learn how to be a cashier, stocking the shelves, cleaning the bathrooms. You know, that never really ended uh, through college, after college, um, being assistant manager, becoming a manager. You know, when you're even when you're the manager, if you're not in there cleaning a toilet or mopping a floor or cleaning something up, showing your team what to do, uh, you know, you don't gain that respect. And so, um, and and it's it's been awesome. Um, be honest with you, I've been in the office for uh, now over 20 years, which is crazy when I think about it that way. Which means I, I'm not in the store every day, and we talk about it all the time how that's actually. The worst part about this job is I can't be in a store every day with great customers and great employees. Mm. You know, I got to be trying to make sure that that's all working right. The the employees, the customers, that's what makes this job so fun. For sure. Well, obviously, it's been a really lengthy journey and you're an individual that that I could tell really values a great customer experience. And based on the interactions that I've had, not just with you, but with uh, many of your direct reports and staff and employees, they always have wonderful things to say about you, uh, at least outwardly to me anyway. Um, but what, what that tells me is that you're pretty consistent. And I know that Fairway has some competitors. Uh, of course, you guys are closed down on Sundays, which gives all your competitors a chance to catch up. Is that right? That's my saying. <laughs> Dude, I did just a hair of research. Uh, <laughs> just a hair. Uh, but I, I often hear, it, with all the organizations that I have the pleasure of working with, just about every organization out there, when I say, what differentiates you from everybody else? Consistently, the answers are our people and our service. Our people and our service. And obviously, 
I think it's really easy for us to say that, but it's different for people to feel that. When I go to Fairway, uh, your website, Meat and Grocery, and I check out uh, all the things that you're into, I see people in service regularly. Why does that differentiate you guys from everybody else? Probably because we, not only do we do it and live it, but it's real. It's not something we just talk about. I mean, isn't that the whole deal in life where, you know, you, you could be a company, you could throw up a banner and you could say all this stuff and, and have, have, you know, posters and a great commercial, all this stuff. But the reality is when you go, if, if that's not what it's really happening, you know, then it's all BS. Right. I mean, um, I, I like to think that it, it, it's such a culture that we have, it makes it easy. And then what happens is we're a huge company, but yet in every town and every actual building that we have, we're a small community. So what we hear from our customers are if you're in Belmont, Iowa or Waverly, Iowa, or you're in Kansas city going to the meat market, this is our fairway. The customers say, and the, and the employees say, this is our fairway. And and that's how they feel. So when it's yours, you're going to take care of it. Just like if it's your home, you're going to take care of it that way. When you greet people, when people come to your home to have a great steak dinner that you purchase at Fairway Meat Market, um, your wife is saying, this is our home. Come on in. This is the meal I cook for you. Come on in. You take great pride in that. You welcome them. So that's what we do. And it's actually easy because um, it just feels right. It's built into your culture and it, and it stems obviously not just top down, bottom up, but obviously it's a 80 plus year, uh, years of culture that's been building up to culminate to this, this moment. And I will say that I got the opportunity because in Kansas city, when we first started partnering together on events, there wasn't a Kansas city location. So I never had the opportunity to visit a fairway and, and never to be honest, had even heard of a fairway until I was brought in to do your speaking engagement or we met at the right. Iowa grocery. You're, you're, you're kind of a sheltered guy though, right? Know, right you don't get out much. much. Very much. So you know, you're uh, in the basement every morning, lifting weights, <laughs> you know, stretching. Well, you must be pretty sheltered too, because you said it'd be difficult to be a Vikings fan in Kansas city. Cause every time you play uh, the chiefs, you lose. Well, like every time you play anybody, you lose, right? Is that? (laughs) Sadly, yes. Speaking of which, I want to circle back to this fairway experience, but how in the heck did you become a a Minnesota Vikings fan? Okay, so uh, late 70s, went with uh, family up to a game, uh, season ticket holders, grandpa, dad, et cetera. And um, it was out in the old... um, in Bloomington in the old uh, Met where it was outdoor stadium where the Vikings played. So I saw Fran Targington, you know, everybody and uh, Chuck Foreman, et cetera, and just loved it. And, you know, who else would you root for in Iowa? You know, we don't have a, at that time, especially didn't have anything and uh, why not? So yeah, became a fan. And so <laughs> he's, he's got props, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> So here we go, baby. He's, he's put it on his Vikings helmet. Go check Ooh. him out on YouTube if you haven't seen it. Now, is that autographed by someone? Everybody. Oh. All the greats. Randy yeah. Moss, is he on there? Well, I got it somewhere. But uh, <laughs> but it's not on there. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just the Hall of Famers, Paul Krause, oh. and Jim, Jim Marshall, and all these 
Great players. Kirk Cousins, is he on there? Carl Eller, yeah. Kirk Cousins, Hall of Famer. No, I tell you what, you know, every time I buy a, a quarterback jersey, just, <laughs> just that's. I mean, I've got them all, and they're terrible. So anyway, I have the same way as a as a Royals fan since birth. I used to always get, you know, any up and comer. So there was a rookie of the year by the name of Angel Barroa. Uh, he, he won rookie of the year. I buy his jersey. He, I don't even know that he made the roster three years later. Uh, I bought a Mike McDougal jersey. I bought all these jerseys and immediately they tail off. So I'm not a jersey guy anymore for that reason. So talking more about your culture, obviously the Vikings had a significant culture, not just in your family, but in their organization that you were attracted to. I got the opportunity to tour your facilities, several of your, um, not just your stores, but even your amazing, uh, what, what do you even call it? Your warehouse production. Warehouse, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and that tour was led by the great uh, Reynolds Kramer. So I got some <laughs> behind the scenes knowledge, but I got to tell you, I've been in a lot of stores in my life. I've, uh, I grew up in a small town, Osawatomie, Kansas. So a lot of convenience stores had that small local community feel, Casey's. You guys got Casey's up there, right? You ever had Casey's pizza? So here's something about Casey's. So you don't know this. Obviously, you eat their pizza. Who doesn't? It's the best, right? Uh, so Fairway was started in Boone, Iowa. That's where I'm at right now. And so was Casey's. Really? Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Boone, kind of a neat place for that stuff. So they they obviously got into the Kansas and Missouri market far sooner than you did, huh? Well, they're uh, they're a little smaller building, <laughs> yeah. But you know they've done a great job. Yes. Um, they've done it. Terry, uh, who I knew was a CEO for a while, retired. Awesome person. Darren now running the thing. Awesome person. They're doing a great job. Um, I was pretty unique. It's 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 every state, of course, has their stuff, but. Iowa has some pretty neat companies that started and then expanded and, and grew all over. So, but Casey's, they're, they're doing a great job. Well, and I think I recently, I, I saw some statistic or something that said that uh, Des Moines, Iowa specifically was like top 10 for startups and, and new businesses. So startups. I you guys are great. Uh, and I think it boils down to what you said, that community feel like uh, when you go out and you start something, typically folks want to support uh, local businesses, especially in the Midwest. And so when I got the opportunity to tour your facilities, I got to tell you, I walked in and it, it felt different. Like it felt definitively different from, you know, Price Chopper or Hy-Vee or whatever. And it boils down to not just the look and feel of the store, right? The way that you guys have created your layout, but also the moment that you walk in, somebody makes eye contact and connection, which I value a great deal. And it's something that you live uh, in, in your own life. Where did that come from for you? I know, obviously, this is historically a family business. Uh, where did you get your general demeanor and uh, love for the interaction of people? I don't know what percent it's DNA. Okay. <laughs> but... You know, I think the reality is, so I go back to, I went to Luther College in Decorah and I had a, my freshman year of speech class and like most people terrified to speak and all that stuff. And, and I kind of went through it and, and, um, back in the day they had the old, uh, you know, VCR that they're going to do a recording and you could watch it and kind of, you know, critique yourself. And so I could see some of my struggles and what I needed to work on. And then I started thinking about it more and I thought, 
how would I have a conversation just like we're having a conversation? What's the difference if I'm talking to you right now, having a one-on-one and, and feeling really good about it, or there's 300 people in the room? Yes. Can, right? Can I have that same feel? And so then, then you learn some of the, the, the tricks to the standpoint of, you know, how can you call some people out in the room and, and know some people and do some things? But the reality is, if you're sincere and you want to just talk about, you know, what, what's in your heart, what's in your mind, um, it's easy. It, yes. it really is. Now, in all fairness, uh, when you do it a lot, it becomes easier. <laughs> yeah. So. In, any, in anything, right? Painting houses, mowing the lawn. Right. But what, what I really appreciate about what you just said is um, I, I'm not the greatest at a lot of things. Reynolds, probably, probably not news to you, uh, but I'm a decent speaker. And I think uh, what has differentiated me in my space specifically is what you just said is when I removed myself from thinking about speaking to a thousand people or speaking to 500 people, and I reconsidered that as speaking with one individual and then with another and with a collective group, then it became a lot easier. And I was able to create real meaningful connection which ultimately brought everybody together and wanting to know what the heck was going on or what they could learn or, or even being willing to share themselves and open their hearts. And that's something that I've been surprised in our relationship, um, you and I, in your willingness to be open and share your heart. Um, so much so that when we connected uh, most recently in Kansas City at the uh, Rivs for Kids event, you told me the craziest, most powerful story that I had heard in some time about the passing of your mother. Right. So can you, if you don't mind sharing, because there were so many like nuanced, like notes to sell for the universe or energy, whatever you believe in, that was just, it was an absolutely crazy story um, that really made an impact on me. And I was hoping that you would share it with our listeners as well. Yeah, well, COVID obviously has brought so many challenges. Um, I've got a family member that's going to have a, a baby here soon, my sister, and she's so excited. And yet, you know, there's not going to be any visitors to the to the hospital room. And she's going to be fortunate to have her husband with her. But it's not like it used to be where you could have other people coming. You know, that's just one little thing. But then you hear about so many sad things where people are in the hospital and they're sick. And it really doesn't matter if they're dealing with COVID or not. It's you can't get into these hospitals because they need to be so cautious and just all that stuff. And, and so when, when grandma decided to, to move from Florida, Iowa, um, which she did so back uh, just last August, uh, so just a little over a year ago, um, you know, we're thinking this is a great opportunity to be with grandkids and spend some time together and play a golf game and all that stuff. And, and so you spend uh, August, September, October unpacking and doing all that. And then it's the holidays. And so she's spending time at the holidays at the house and, and she's visiting and, and then, and then she loved wine. And so at Christmas for her to say to me, when I offer some wine, um, no, I, you know, I, I've kind of lost my, my taste buds for wine. I just can't taste wine anymore. I don't know what it is. And I think she's just a little crazy, whatever's happening. I don't think much about it. And then that sets some things into motion where then January and February come along and, and she's not feeling good. And, and she ends up going to the hospital and, and uh, we're trying to figure it out. And, and so um, how blessed I was that uh, I, we had kind of redone some things. So I had medical power of attorney. If you don't have that for older parents, you got to get it. It's so important. If they don't have wills, they got to get that stuff done. So, so many people don't plan. Yes. But, uh, but here we are and it's, it's uh, April, end of April. And, 
she's been in and out of the hospital and they're checking things. And, and the doctor finally comes back and says, Hey, I'm going to do a bone marrow uh, biopsy. I got to figure out this, something's not right. We can't, we can't determine. And so boom, uh, comes back with, uh, she's got a, uh, a weird blood uh, cancer and it's, it's something that uh, probably had for a while and yet it's just deteriorating things and kidneys shut down. And, and he says, yeah, um, she's got probably 10 days to live. And you're like, how, how could this even happen this, this quick? And so um, on a Friday, um, I said to him, well, I'm, I'm going to pick her up from the hospital. He goes, well, you know what that means, right? I said, I do, but she's not going to die alone in the hospital. So, and then on that Monday, um, <clears throat> Uh, she laid in her bed. It was the 80th birthday. And so uh, my wife and grandkids and et cetera, got to come and, and be with her and uh, give her a cake and, and all that stuff. And then it was just a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, deteriorate, deteriorate. Um, I had some great hospice help uh, from Methodist hospital. And, and, um, and then from there, um, yeah, it was just a sad situation of her dying uh, with me in her home. And, and, uh, you know, you hear about that stuff all the time yes. and you have friends that have parents pass away and, 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 you know, you, you always console them and give them some love. And, um, but when it happens to you, it's a different deal. And when it happens in 10 days time, it's a whole different deal. So, um, I, I have lots of thoughts on how I could have done something different, um, I also feel fortunate that if she had stayed in Florida, I'm pretty sure uh, I wouldn't have gotten to see her at all and be with her. So, you know, uh, good Lord works in mysterious ways, uh, sets the tone and the path for us all. Uh, whatever your faith is, whatever you believe, it doesn't matter because there's somebody bigger than us out there. And, uh, and so um, I'm blessed that we got to spend the final time together, but you know, as crazy as it sounds, uh, she needs to be buried out east. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I, can't, I can't go there. Um, there's 14-day quarantines in certain states and just all that stuff. And so I'm still waiting to, to finalize all that stuff. But uh, we, did a, we did a small funeral that was my wife, myself, and our pastor, just the three of us, videotaped it for all of her friends and then did a nice little a picture collage video and uh, sent that out. But, you know, even having a funeral in the same, yeah. I mean, we're, we're, we're just in a whole world of crazy and uh, you know, a week from now, it's going to get even crazier and based upon the election, just how things go. And then, and then what's going to happen in 2021 and a vaccine and just all this stuff. Right. Right. Uh, but it's what we do during this time is what I think differentiates us from from everyone else. And so if you can find ways to get your focus in your mind and, and whatever it is, I mean, I was fortunate this morning, I had a couple of people that had to come over to do uh, some projects at my house. And so my son, my little two-year-old Benny says, daddy outside, daddy outside. And I'm like, it's really cold. There's snow on the ground. Jump, jump, daddy, jump, jump. I'm like, there's snow on the trampoline. (laughs) He didn't care. 10 minutes later, he's filled with snow all over his coat and pants and his shoes and he's having a blast and and we stood out there for a little bit and his face got all red and then I brought him in back to mom but you know those are the those are the things that that can keep you alive in your mind for sure and I think uh 
I think I said this to you when I saw you uh, most recently down here for the Ribs for Kids event that we had a, a neuroscientist on by the name of Cody Isabel. And he had a really powerful quote that said, adults are just kids in costumes. And I love that quote because it could mean a number of different things. It could mean you and I physically dressing up like you did to start the podcast. It could be the disingenuous nature of whoever we're presenting ourselves to be, right? But the one things that the one thing's for certain, our children can always remind us what it was like uh, to have fun and to 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 not carry so much stress and and worry and fear and anxiety and all this stuff that you mentioned about even next week and and beyond the vaccine and all that stuff. So much of it is outside of our control. And yet we give it, we feed it so much energy that it starts to consume us. And I greatly appreciate you for talking about um, the passing of, you mentioned grandma, but it was your mother, right? And the kid's grandma. Okay. Right. Um, and I, I know I hate to put people in a position where they have to feel uncomfortable or talk about uncomfortable things, but the most impactful thing in hearing uh, you talk about that story is how humbled you were through the experience. And you even, uh, you mentioned uh, about taking speech class. And I don't know if you remember, but you told me just last week that the most difficult speech you ever did was uh, the one with the pastor and Sheila and yourself to a room of, of nobody, um, you know, saying your final goodbyes to your mother, which makes sense in terms of the emotional connection with your mother. But to take that one step further, uh, presenting to the masses where nobody's there, right? And uh, I just remember how powerful that was. But the most significant takeaway that I had is when you talk about all this stuff and what's going on, it's great to focus on all the things that make us smile, all the things that lift us up, joy, fun, fulfillment. That's fundamentalism. But part of fundamentalism too is reflecting and thinking about how do we get here and what would I do different? And the story of you being too busy to play golf one time, the one time that your mom asked you to play and you just couldn't make it happen, that being the last opportunity that you had to play golf um, with her specifically, it, it really opened my eyes because we balance, right? You said, I'm juggling so many things. And sometimes that means that a ball will drop. And so figuring out a way to prioritize these things, knowing that life is so finite is super important. So I greatly appreciate you opening your heart. We have so many things that give us joy in our life, including your two-year-old son, Benny, which I got the opportunity to see a video of the other day. Um, so a two-year-old, you decided to have a child at a late age uh, because I, I know that you're a young gentleman, but from what I understand, like I, I didn't know that you wanted another one in the mix. How is Benny bringing joy and uh, youth to you? Well, I got to say, I'm the luckiest person in the world. Um, you know, I've got a daughter uh, that's 21. She's autistic. And uh, in fact, uh, this Friday, uh, just a few days away, uh, she gets to move to a new adult group home uh, in our town. So that's an amazing thing. And getting the, uh, the help that she's going to need as an adult. My son, uh, Zach, who's 16, he's, he's a sophomore in high school. He's driving for the first time. That's a whole crazy thing to me. He's doing great. So you'd think, yeah, I mean, I'm at that stage where a couple more years, you know, I'm an empty nester like many of my friends and you could just relax, you know, I have a cocktail every night, no worries. Um, still can have a cocktail, but the reality is I got to stay a little more focused because with a two-year-old now, 
this this guy is just all over the board. Wow. And you know what's interesting is uh, Sheila said something to me the other day, which I think is helping her get through this craziness. Um, and that is Benny is so innocent. He's a two year old. He doesn't he doesn't know about COVID. He doesn't know about the world. He doesn't know that not being able to go and run around the mall right now, as an example, is something that like he's missing. He doesn't have any idea about that. So imagine all these kids that are going to grow up as young kids right now and look back and go, yeah, I was a kid in COVID. I didn't even know what was going on. Exactly. Uh, so the whole idea is how do you grab that innocence? How do you grab that fun, excited, you know, he went potty today in the potty and we did the potty dance, potty dance. <laughs> but, I mean, all that fun stuff. And, you know, people say it's going to keep me young to be able to be doing that. And then they laugh, of course, as I walk away and they say, well, I'm glad it's not me. But the reality is I'm very fortunate. I'm very, very blessed. So, um, yeah, he's, he's been uh, amazing uh, to our family. And uh, it just simply means that my, my future is going to be different now from the standpoint of, you know, one day, if I'm not doing this fairway job anymore, uh, no matter if I'm doing something else or not, um, you know, I'm going to be able to maybe go to a ball game when, when he's 16, if he's doing that or a music event or whatever, where it's, it's been a little tougher before to do that. So, um, yeah, pretty blessed. Prior to having Benny, were you as willing to be childlike and lighthearted? Well, um, <laughs> I, I think I've always had fun my whole life. Okay. And uh, the, the difference between you and me is um, you've been having fun your whole life, too. You probably didn't get in as much trouble as I did. <laughs> Fair enough. So I was the kid that billion dollar company. <laughs> well, no, but I'm just saying as a kid, I was a kid that I always had to ride the front of the bus, <laughs> right? Because I got in trouble in the back throwing stuff or whatever. You know? um, there was all kinds of stuff. I know I, I laughed. I've, I've been fortunate to have a couple presidents of uh, Luther College visit me before and, and do our warehouse tour like we did. And and I've always chuckled because I say, you know, when I was going to college, if I had to go to your office, um, it wasn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. So um, because I wasn't studying enough, maybe. But um, but no, I, I think having fun is is uh, I mean, if if you don't, I've I, I actually talked to somebody the other day. I saw somebody and after talking to them a few minutes, I left. And then I decided I got to do it. So I went back to him and I said, why do you hate life so much? Boom. <laughs> I mean, they're just so bitter and upset. And and it could be a situation that something pushed them there. Sure. But you know what? Um, I just called a friend of mine today. Uh, his company downsized. He lost his job. I told him, I said, you call me anytime. I'll help in any way I can, whatever it takes. Um and, and this gentleman said to me, you know what? I could look at this as it's the end of the world or it's the beginning of my new life in the world. And he said, that's the way I'm going to look at it. And so isn't, isn't attitude, isn't, isn't the, everything you talk about fundamentalism. I mean, those things are the, are the building blocks of, of having a great life or just going around bitter and upset about how life treats you. Right. For sure. I know, I know how I'd feel uh, if I wasn't gravitating towards what gave me strength. So I, uh, I make a conscious choice. I mean, we have dark days. We talked about those, right? We, we have challenging moments. 
And I think that's, that's sometimes where I struggle in conveying uh, this message or this philosophy is I don't want people to think that, that this is the benchmark, right? Because I specifically could be very overwhelming for a lot of folks. And I'm not asking people to be wild and crazy. I did get in a ton of trouble. Uh, I wasn't in school suspension multiple times. I, I consistently had parties uh, in the morning before school where we had 200 kids in my house uh, unbeknownst to me, the principal had called my mom and said, do you realize that all these kids are at your house? Because our house was right across the street. So I was consistently getting in, in uh, trouble. But what I found is um, if I don't gravitate towards things to get me, to, get me to smile or uh, bring joy to my life, then I can have some really dark days and I, I can nap uh, more than I should be or not be as present as a, as a father as I should be or not tell my wife that I love her as much as I should. So what I'm doing is very deliberate, but, but as you, the Fundamism Podcast listener right now is listening to Reynolds and how he carries himself and uh, listening to me, please note that we're not saying that you should be like us. What we're saying is try to find whatever this looks like for you because the opportunity to have more joy, fun, and fulfillment is out there. Now, I know one of the things, Reynolds, that lifts you up, that makes you smile, is uh, giving of yourself with zero expectation in return. And so whether it's the Rib for Kids event uh, or, you know, Variety or the, I know that you're involved in so many different charities. Um, where did that come from? And you had mentioned that you have a daughter, uh, 21. Forgive my ignorance, her name one last time. Ashley. You'll never have to tell me Ashley's name again. So Ashley uh, has autism. How did that shape uh, you and uh, your willingness to help others through challenging times? So imagine I'm the store manager of a fairway store in Des Moines and, and I'm working in the aisles and I'm stocking shelves with my crew and you know doing all what you do. And I hear uh, this young adult or child uh, with a parent in an aisle and they're fussing and they're having, you know, something going on. And my, my mind says, well, geez, can't you control your kid a little more? What's, what's your deal? Are, are you a bad parent, right? Or what, what's your problem? And then you realize that uh, that child or that young adult has a special need of some nature, something going on. And then, of course, you feel like, well, I'm, I'm an idiot, right? I'm, <laughs> I'm a terrible human being. I'm a terrible human being, right? And then you walk away and you're like, okay, well, I had that moment and I learned something. I just got to be a little more cautious when I see somebody or what think about or whatever. But you don't really know what they're going through. You don't know what the parent's going through. You don't realize that that parent actually getting out to the grocery store and they have to take that child with them because they can't leave them alone because they've probably exhausted all their funds with medical issues and, and medicines and all these things. So they got to take them to the store. They're just trying to get out of the house. They're trying to do something. Maybe they're trying to teach the child about, you know, being able to use coins and purchase something, you know, all these types of things. Um, you don't realize it until boom, you're into it. Mm. you're dealing with, you know, uh, a child that has a feeding tube. You don't, you don't understand what other people go through. Now, what's unique about it today, I think, is that we live in a world where there's a little more acceptance overall yes. that 
hey, there's a lot of people out there that have differences that have, um, you know, special needs of some nature, a lot of kids, et cetera. Sure. Um, and there's a lot more tools and, and avenues to get help and, and learn and be in groups and, and be able just to talk to another parent that understands what you're going through and all those things. So, um, but that's, I think that's why, you know, I grew up in a family that, that uh, did a lot for charities and a company that's always done things for charities. But now as a, as a father that has a special needs child, um, being able to be in my position at work, being able to help shift some things and, and guide us in some directions. Um, I just love giving back in some way. And it's not, it's not just about throwing some money at something, right? It's not, I can write you a check for a hundred dollars to your cause or whatever. It's actually, how can you step into that window of the opportunity and be a part of something in any way, shape or form? So when I've been at, at events where we've gotten to give a specialized bicycle to a child that, you know, can't walk, but yet can be in a, in a bike and then, and be helped to learn how to ride that bicycle with their, with their sibling. And I get to, you know, help push that bike around and, and, and be with that uh, great child at that time and see the, the face light up. I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. And, and, you know, there are many groups out there, many organizations, variety of children's charities, one that's really unique from the standpoint of, uh, they, they raise money every year and then they give it out to all the charities. Yeah. And so they help. Um, but there's, there's a ton of them out there. You've, you've shown me a few that you work with. Um, and so, uh, what's so fun about people is that even when they're having a tough time, they got a heart. Yes. And so, you know, a lot of people, sometimes the only, the only good thing they can do one day, because maybe they're in a, not a great situation or they are feeling it's ground all day or whatever is they can give something to an organization that's going to make a difference. And that, that gives them that peace in their heart that just, it's like, I needed that puzzle piece to kind of complete myself today. Well, you know, what's interesting about, you know, I got, I got the book uh, as we start to wrap this thing up. I know you're looking for yours. Look at you. <laughs> I got my book too, baby. Hey, hey, is yours signed like mine is? No, mine's not signed. Well, Who's that? that Yahoo? <laughs> <laughs> So I got this out because, you know, oftentimes, so obviously NOAA's Bandage Project means the world to me, pediatric cancer research. Uh, I'm very familiar with Variety. We have Variety KC down here as well. You know, what's interesting about that, you know, we've raised over a million dollars for pediatric cancer research and over 6 million uh, individual bandages for kids going through the struggle. But it's, it's, that is something, that's a byproduct of, of, of all of the activity and, and all of the greatness that we've got to be a part of. But to your point, I have felt so amazing being a part of something, a culture of kind-hearted individuals that set aside ego and set aside drama and all the stuff that we're going through to give to something or somebody else. And more important than money uh, or physical band-aids, just energy. And uh, that, that six-year-old boy taught me something. And that was that, you know, donating or volunteering for a cause could actually bring a ton of joy into my life. So that is number 13, Reynolds. Uh, <laughs> number 13, donate uh, or volunteer for a cause that moves you. So that, amongst many other reasons, obviously, Reynolds Kramer is why I want to invite you on the podcast. You and I have similar spirits. I love your willingness to be fun. 
to be authentic, to set aside your fear of judgment, um, and to lead people in a manner that says it's okay to be me. And then lead with your heart, not just um, for your own personal heart, but in the heart of others and donating time and to causes that move you. So, dude, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. And our journey, obviously, has only just begun because uh, we will be going to a Chiefs game relatively soon. I will go up to a Minnesota Vikings game when you guys get a better quarterback. Um, I should stop talking about him so hatefully because you're the type of guy that might have a relationship with Kirk Cousins. And then, boom, now all of a sudden you've lost an endorsement deal, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, one last thing uh, before we wrap up. One of the things that I'm fascinated by about you and something that I'm that I've just scratched the surface on is uh, your strategic mind, right? We 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 kind of talked a little bit briefly about you know some ways to get fundamentalism to the masses or the growth of fairway and all that stuff. And so this strategic mind of yours, it's it's so fascinating to me because I know that it comes not just through success but comes from failure as well. What was the most challenging business moment that you had? Look well. At I've had, I've had a few of them. Um, one that you can actually talk about on. Right. right. Um, (laughs) Oh, I'll talk about anything, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, there's different ways. Personally or professionally. Yeah. I mean, there's different ways to look at it from a business standpoint. You know, sometimes your heart says, I don't want to make this decision. If it's, uh, if it's, I got to close a store and relocate, or if it's, I got to let someone go. Or if it's, I got to demote someone, right? There's times where your heart says, I don't want to do any of those things. And so then it's about having that conversation. And those are tough conversations. They're tough to accept. Um, What I do know is that when you make difficult decisions, no matter if you're the one making them or you're on the other side, once they're made, it's like, okay, well, that's over now. So let's, let's move forward. And what are we going to do and how are we going to make that look? Um, sometimes a decision is actually, um, it's a way to just get somebody to finally go, okay, I'm, you know, I'm glad we're done with that and and let's move forward. So, um, tough decisions. Um, you know, the, the saying that was said to me uh, many years ago uh, by my dad, and it's so true. Uh, and I've said this to, uh, I've said this to my son. I've said this to other people too. Um, you know, big decisions make make big people, and and um, big people make big decisions. So, the reality is, is that if you think about it that way, um, everything we're doing, we're shaping us to just to be better people in the future. So, um, I, I, you mentioned about you're not great at anything, or I, I said those words right. Here's what I say all the time. And this can come off wrong, but if you if you hear how I say it, you get it. I'm good at everything. I'm just not great at anything. Yeah, for sure. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm good enough. You want to go play softball tomorrow? I'll be okay, right? Uh, you want me to help make some business decisions? I, I'm going to be okay. But what what I try and do is surround myself with great people. So I know that I'm not the lead singer in the band, right? <laughs> But you know what? I could play the drums in the band. I can play with any band, yeah. right? So I got to make sure I have the right lead singer, the right bassist, all those things. That's what I think is 
is unique. And it's not just about business. It's about life. You got to surround yourself yes. with the right people, the right opportunities. You got to get people that are going to tell you, hey, dummy, what are you doing right now? Right? <laughs> I mean, you can't just put people around you that, oh, you're great. You're great. I mean, so it's all about um, it's all about having fun and living your life to the fullest. So if you haven't gone out and gotten this book yet, I know you can get it on Amazon. Uh, it's a great book. If you haven't bought a, a, a great ribeye in a while, you can go to fairwaymeatmarket.com and get them shipped right to your house any from any state. I got to throw that plug in. What a powerful close. I mean, everything you just said was a powerful close. So uh, listen, Reynolds Kramer, you are just an absolute stud. I appreciate everything about you. Uh, I really believe that uh, our paths are going to cross quite a bit. And I'm even going to offer up my services to you. I know that as we grow older, our circle gets smaller. Um, I know that you potentially need somebody in your life to fill this void. So if you ever need somebody to call you a dummy, you reach out. I got you, brother. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to go to voicemail at first. <laughs> Right. Hey, uh, in closing, you got any words of wisdom? Uh, any last plugs you want to make, my friend? You know what? Uh, number one, get out there and vote. It's coming up. And number two, just just be open, armed, and love everybody and try and get along, no matter what your views are in the world. It, you can be right and you can be wrong, and so can everyone else. Just respect people. Just respect people and have fun. Just like Jackie Moon said, everybody love everybody. Reynolds Kramer, we appreciate you being on to the Fundamism Podcast listener. We greatly appreciate you. We couldn't continue to make moves in the community and showcase how to create fun for others without your support. So please leave us a review on Apple iTunes. Go out and have some fun today. Create some fun in the lives of others. And until we catch you on the flip side, deuces, ladies and gentlemen. 